<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This fucking pussy, excuse my language, or not actually, calls my friend, my best friend, who she, you know, is sort of in touch with him because they were all in the same class or whatever at NYU. And he asks her if she can ask me whether he can talk to me and apologize for how he handled the breakup six years ago. Yeah. And six years is insane amount of time to just swim and be like, Hey, by the way, um, do I owe you an apology? Can we, uh, and he's such a pussy. Like he knew you had the same number. You contacted your friend. That's pathetic. It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for, but need a welcome to almost adulting. Almost adulting. Almost adulting. Are you ready? Hi, besties. Welcome to a brand new Almost Adulting, the largest self-love podcast and movement, your number one destination for personal growth and mental health. I'm your big sister and your host, Violetta. Today, my guest, you guys are going to be obsessed with her as much as I am obsessed with her, Anna Kai. She spent her 20s dating all of the wrong men, as most of us are still doing that in New York City. So you don't have to. She is known for her get ready with me videos on TikTok. I'm sure you've seen all of them. It's maybe both. Obviously, I'm going to leave everything in the description, everything about her, where she dishes basically just no BS dating and life advice while doing her makeup. She uses her platforms to champion women and marginalized voices and to remind her community of 2 million combined biddies that love is truly not lost at all. All right, let's get started. Well, you know what, you guys, today I had such a day, but I thought it would be the perfect interview to have, especially because in July right now, a lot of us are traveling. A lot of us are getting into romance, flings, and all these things. And we have so many questions. And trust me, if I got her on the show, that means I think her advice is legit. So before we get started, I kind of just want to ask you, what would you say the most common thing that you always get asked over and over again, because your advice is so good on TikTok? Ooh, I think I get a lot of, this isn't like one thing, but what I get a lot of in my DMs is people needing to explain their relationship or their situationship in like 10 paragraphs. It's like a massive essay. They're like, you need to know every single detail because then you can tell me if I'm with the right guy. But the thing is what I've learned, I'm married now. So, I mean, not to say that I'm like an expert, but I just learned from all of those situations where I felt like I needed to tell my girlfriends, here's everything that happened. Now make a judgment is that if you have to explain yourself that much, you're not with the right person. And when it's easy and right, that, that is your person. It's almost boring when you get together with your girlfriends and you're with the right person, because it's like, I don't have anything to say. He's great. We're great. We hang out. Like there's no drama. There's nothing to dissect. And so if you can't explain your relationship to me in like one paragraph, probably not it. Yeah, that's so true. I think, and I, that's so funny. I always get those essays as well. And it's, it feels as if this person just wrote me 20 paragraphs explaining of how much that guy's not into her. And I'm like, hello, if you just read your own essay. Well, we've all done it, right? It's like, 
I have taken something a guy did, which is really just, he's just not that into me, right? And been like, oh, but then he did this one thing after that sort of negates this one thing he didn't do or did do that I didn't like. And so again, it's like, I have been there and we've all been there and it's just exhausting. It's just anxiety inducing when you have to make excuses for the guy that you're with. I will say though, I think we sometimes take a lot of this advice too literal. And a lot of times when we hear things like, well, when you know, you just know we're supposed to be easy. And you're like, no, I remember when you were crying over the guy you're married to now. I think the difference is what I'm learning now is it means how do you communicate when you do have a disagreement? Because we take it as you never have disagreements versus when we have disagreements, we fight to make up. We don't fight to break up. A hundred percent. It's not that, oh, you meet the right person and you live happily ever after and you have no disagreements or any issues. It's more just like, are you both in it and both giving a hundred percent of each other? And do you both want to make it work? Or is like one person trying to quit at the same time the other person is trying to hang on to the relationship? And so, you know, I fight with my husband. It's not about us being perfectly content all the time. We have disagreements. We're different people. But at the end of the day, I would never dream of leaving him. He would never dream of leaving me. It's just how we handle life and marriage. Yeah. My mom recently told me, never say the breakup word unless you mean it. Yeah. And I'm very bad at that. I I can be angry and I'll just go, okay, I don't want to do this. And now I'm learning that that's not okay. And you, you think I would have learned in my 20s, but no, I'm learning that in my 30s. We're always learning. I mean, I learned a lot too. It's not like, oh, I got to this point and I gave advice now. I'm not, I'm still learning about how to be a better wife, how to be a yeah. better partner. So speaking of learning, I watched one of your videos I really loved and it was basically about 20 lessons on love and life that you had to learn the hard way. And I thought, let's talk about it since in 2023, we are now building, not begging. So what would you say, if you didn't have to say all 20, what would you say the main points that you think people should take away from the hard lessons? Do not, my my biggest one, because I could expound on all of those 20. I can't think of all 20 right now, but the one that comes to mind the most is don't ignore the red flags because- and I said this in a different video, but I think the red flags you ignore on the first couple of dates or early on in the relationship becomes the red ocean that will drown you later on. Every time I ignored a red flag about a guy I was with, it always came back to haunt me. You know, his slight drinking problem in the beginning. Oh, he just likes to party. He's kind of, he kind of turns into a different person when he drinks, but you know, that's fine. He's just... And then later on, you realize like he's horrible to me when he's drinking. I've had a couple very borderline weird situations. You know, there's so much gray area between assault and, but you know, men, if they turn into a different person when they drink, that's not somebody that is ready for a relationship. And so I learned that the hard way, you know, especially in your twenties, you want to date the party boy. You want to date the fun guy, right? You don't want to feel like you may be ready for a relationship, but you're not ready to settle down yet in your 20s. And so I think we end up dating a lot of those men that are super fun and they're a great time. Our friends love them. And then when they just kind of hit that point where they drink too much, they turn into a different person. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll dive into that. But I think a lot of times we sit there and we're like, oh, that person has all the red flags. Don't ignore that, this and that. And sometimes we forget that A, it takes two people to make a relationship work and B, just as much as this person, your partner is not perfect, neither are you. And I think a lot of times now we we just deflect 
and say everything wrong with the other person. And we forget that we have red flags. I, I'm too bad at only looking at myself and blaming myself for everything. So I wish I could be better at blaming the other people, but I definitely see my red flags. So when you say that, that does put things in perspective for me because it makes me think, damn, I hope uh, my partner doesn't listen to this episode because <laughs> then he'll leave. <laughs> Again, it's not about being perfect and it's not about saying, hey, I'm perfect. I need to find a perfect person. It's more so like do his red flags are his main red flags that he doesn't really care about you because people explain to me all different types of situations, hundreds and hundreds of different ways. Oh, he did this. He said this. It all comes down to this same question. Does he really care about me? Look, I mean... People are, my husband is like not the cleanest person, right? He's a hard time like forgetting to like pick up after himself sometimes or it's not about that. I'm like, oh, I need this person. I need, need him to be, you know, have an eight pack and clean up after himself and be a top chef and also make a ton of money. It's not about the superficial things. It's just, do they care about you? And I think that's what it is. Is like a lot of people ignore those red flags that a guy doesn't really care about you that much Got in it. the beginning of a relationship. And we're all, we're all fucked up. You know, I'm yeah. so fucked up, but it's just make sure that his red flags don't point that he doesn't care about you. Yeah. So how did you stop being that girl the guys wanted to date, but not commit to? I just realized that, you know, I just couldn't be the cool girl or the down girl anymore. Like there are women in my life that I'm close with that can get physical with men without any emotional repercussions. That was just not me. And I tried to do that for so long. And in the end, I always ended up getting hurt. And you just get tired after a while. I think everybody has their breaking point and mine just maybe came a little bit earlier. So I realized pretty quickly on in my early to mid twenties that I was like, I'm not having sex with a guy before we're boyfriend, girlfriend, not exclusive, but not boyfriend, girlfriend, like straight up boyfriend, girlfriend, you can introduce me to your friends. I can introduce you to my friends and we give it a go. Because I think the weird part of this era we're living in is people think boyfriend and girlfriend is some sort of strange commitment that you can't get out of. Dating somebody and committing to them as their girlfriend or they're your boyfriend is a trial period for marriage. You can break up. You know, if you can't even get to the trial period, what hope do you have for marriage? Yeah, I like that. I also really like the fact A is because we have very similar perspectives. So that feels refreshing that you're able to say it out loud because not everyone agrees with my advice when I say hold off on sleeping with someone only because a lot of times you sleep, you're so excited in the moment and you sleep with someone and then you think that person changed, not realizing that they haven't changed. It, they're just, they were never calling you all the time. And they were still adding girls before you slept together. And then they continue adding girls after you slept together because your emotional connection hasn't caught up with your sexual connection. That's what sometimes it's good to hold off or you able to see the red flags more. But I like the fact that you just mentioned about the not even being exclusive with one another. You wait until your boyfriend and girlfriend, because I never thought about it that way. But that is true. That is a tricky area when you're exclusive with someone, but you're not boyfriend and girlfriend. I just had that line thrown at me so many times in my 20s. And I just always thought that's such BS. If a guy wants to do that, it just means he's not sure about you. So you don't have to be sure about me. We don't have to hook up. We can keep seeing each other if you want to see, if you want to be my boyfriend. But 
you ain't going to touch the goodies. Sorry. And it cut out a lot of men from my life earlier than it would have if I allowed myself to get there with them. Exclusive is not the same as boyfriend and girlfriend. Somehow we've added this weird extra step in the beginning to getting to boyfriend and girlfriend because we think being boyfriend and girlfriend is so serious, right? It's like, dude, just break up. No, you're putting a lot of things in perspective. I think the reason I've always been so good at giving advice about this stuff and I'm realizing now is because I was giving advice about dating people like me. And it's not so crazy. So me even paying attention to what you're saying is the person I was dating. I was like, we're, we're not boyfriend, girlfriend. We're just exclusive. And everything you're saying, I'm like, whoa, that is because I wasn't sure about this person. Imagine if the roles were reversed, how I would feel if someone told me we're not boyfriend and girlfriend, we're just exclusive. Yeah, that, okay, interesting. Red flag, me. (laughs) No, but I mean, it's like, you should be sure about somebody and a guy should be sure about you and they should be proud of you, you know, and you should be proud of them. You should want to be like, hey, meet my friends and everything. And again, nothing is final. You could just break up. He was your boyfriend, now he's not. You were his girlfriend, now you're not. Right. You don't give it a fighting chance. You'll never know. You know, this one foot in, one foot out is just not healthy for anybody. You're so right. And that puts a lot of things in perspective, even for me, that you're right. I was always so scared of the, I don't like labels, but I mean, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine dating. I don't know. I'm too much in my head right now, but I'm like, I can't imagine dating me. I'm dating every time I date guys. I'm like, listen, I don't like labels. I don't like this. I'm like, and then I give advice to women about dating men like me. Wait, can I ask you a question though? And yeah. I mean, this is a, do you not like labels? Because I used to say that, but the reason I said I didn't like labels was because I almost beat him to the punch, right? I knew the guy I was dating didn't want anything serious with me. So it's almost like, you know what? You can't hurt me or you actually just don't like labels. I don't like labels because I, I have commitment issues that I've been working on. That's a great, and every guy I date wants to commit to me. And I think it's because I accidentally subconsciously do reverse psychology on them, not even on purpose, just because my own issues. But now I'm right. slowly, I've been uh, finally, you know, diving into that. And uh, there's an episode next week, which people are going to love. And it has to do with the shadow work. And that kind of dives into your, the things you hate about yourself yeah. and figuring out why I act this way or why I'm so scared of committing and all that. Cause I like what you just said. It's, it does it sound, sound so simple. You can just break up. I'm so scared of commitment because it felt like, okay, now it's forever versus being, oh, I can break up if it doesn't work out. Why half-ass it? You're right. So how would you know if someone is serious about you? I think women have incredible gut, like gut instincts. And I think most of the time when we question those gut instincts is when we get into trouble. Like you should, you know yourself best, right? And so if you think that a stranger or you need to go to talk to five of your best girlfriends and your mom and ask about the guy that you're with, it's because your gut is telling you an inconvenient truth and you don't want to believe it. So you're going to everyone else around you, hoping to hear what you want to hear and what you want to believe, but you know, deep down to not be true. So, you know, there's no magic word. It's not like, you know, the guy spins around three times and, you know, blows his nose and like, oh, that's how you know he's the right guy. It's you feel it and you need to trust it. And if you don't feel it and you feel like you need to seek external validation on your relationship, it probably means it's not right or you haven't given it enough time. How much time do you think people should give to figure it out? 
It depends on how often you see him, right? So let's just talk about like a standard, we met on a dating app, we go on a date and we see each other once a week after the initial date. I think you should be boyfriend and girlfriend after no later than three months. You've seen yeah. each other every single week, probably before then. And here's the thing, like, I don't know what LA is like, but I know New York and I did plenty of dating in New York. You withhold physical intimacy from a guy for three months. By the end, he's going to be like, the hell is going on? And like, you'll figure it out. And he'll he'll cave way before then. Too. <laughs> but I think that's the best part about withholding physical intimacy is you really see who's serious about you. The guys that really care about you and like you for who you are and not just your body are going to stick around. Yeah. Yeah. But what if you're not sure about them? Then you just hold off intimacy because you don't want to sleep with them because you don't want them to be your boyfriend. If you're not sure after three months, I think you need to figure out why you're not sure and ask yourself that. And if you're still not sure, you need to let him go because it's the same both ways. You know, I talk a lot about how women can protect themselves, but it's a lot of the same principles can apply to men too. And like women do the same thing to men sometimes, you know, I've been the good guy, the bad guy, the neutral guy in every relationship. It hasn't always just been me being screwed over. I've done some shitty things to men. And the thing is, you just got to cut them loose so they can find somebody that is sure about them. After three months, you should at least be sure that you want to be boyfriend and girlfriend and give it a go. I agree. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely research around the three months mark that usually people know, but it uh, also shows research. Men usually can tell their men fall in love faster than women. And it's around 80 day mark. So if after 80 days with you, he's not in love with you, he's not going to be in love with you. That's interesting. I've never known that. Yeah. I think it's 82 days or 84 days, which is around the three uh, months mark. Yeah. Right. Shockingly before that. specific. And the three months is usually the area where you're kind of like, okay, what are we doing? Okay. So let's talk about the five things that will save you from ending up with the wrong guy. Okay. So number one, know that no one is perfect, but that someone is perfect for you. Some of your boxes are bigger than others. Don't sacrifice the big boxes just because you check some of the smaller boxes. If you need a guy who wants to travel the world, but end up with a homebody just because he's hot, neither one of you is going to be happy in the end. Two, nothing replaces a man's respect for you. Not his bank account, not his pedigree, and certainly not his looks. If he's perfect, other than the fact that he can't respond to your texts in a normal amount of time, he's not actually perfect for you. He's just got a good resume. Three, settling down with the wrong guy just because you're turning 30 or whatever deadline you've given yourself just prolongs your misery. Better to be single at 30 and marry at 37 than marry at 30, get divorced at 37 and have to start all over again. Four, stop making excuses for men. He might be emotionally damaged from childhood, but it's not your job to teach him how to heal those wounds. And it's certainly not your job to teach him how to not hurt you just because he's hurting. And five, don't date the guy every single person in your life hates. It's probably because your friends and family can see that he's an asshole while you've got your love blinders on. Which one should we talk uh, about first? Honestly, I, I love the one. Let's talk about the about the one where all of your friends and your family hate him. You obviously can't see that and you don't understand. And you just think you guys just don't get it. We're Romeo and Juliet, even though clearly the person never read the ending of the book. And that's why you guys just don't get our love. You don't see what I see. It's always, well, you, you don't know how he is when it's just us. They always say that. And the thing is, it's like most of the time it's because the person in the relationship I agree. It's like, you know, he's probably good to you in ways that we can't see, obviously, because we're not in a relationship. 
But we can also see that he's a douchebag outside of the relationship. And I've had friends um, and I've dated men who have not been great to my friends for one reason or another who are like, oh, you know, your friends are not of this caliber or whatever. And they judge them. And at the end of the day, it's because they're the asshole, not my friends, right? And my friends could see it and they're like, he, de- he never wants to spend any time with us. We're not cool enough for him. It's like, ideally, the person that you end up with should integrate into your life and you should integrate into his. It's not like, a, oh, well, I have my girlfriends. He never has to hang out with them and he has his guy friends and we never have to hang out with them. It should be, because now that I'm married, I've been with my husband for five years. We've only been married for about one. But the total of our five years is we are very much integrated into each other's lives. I really like all of his friends. He really likes all of mine. We do double dates with both sides with my friends who are coupled up with his friends that are coupled up. Look, he still sees his friends alone. I still see my friends alone. But at the end of the day, you should really want to spend your time together with each other's friends. Yeah. So anyone listening right now that may be accidentally currently in the wrong relationship, what would you say some other signs that maybe they should look out for that it's time to pack it up? I always was very skeptical of men who needed to keep a ton of platonic quote unquote female friends around or who needed to keep in touch with all of their exes. I'm not saying it's not possible to be friends with your exes or you can't have platonic female relationships as a man. But as I've seen time and time again, it's like I had a girlfriend who broke up with her boyfriend and her boyfriend had been DMing Instagram models and she's not a social media person at all. She like doesn't even use her Instagram. She's got a very, you know, she's got a desk job and she's like, I found out that he was like DMing influencers and he was like, oh, but it's like harmless, right? And he's kind of got this weird like thing where he's just friends with all these girls that he used to hook up with casually. And I think that's a huge red flag. Like my husband has one platonic female friend in his life from college. He's 39, right? So college was a long ass time ago. She's married in Chicago with a kid. She was at our wedding. Like anytime he talks to her, I'm like, great. Tell her I said, hi, you know, we're all friends. Like, again, it goes back to that whole thing. Trust your instincts. If you feel like he's keeping a woman in his life, even if he says it's his friend, even if he says it's like, she's practically my sister, all these things like men say, mostly because like he's keeping her as an option and your senses are picking up on that. You are a hundred percent correct. I agree. Unless it's childhood friends. Yeah. If you guys are now boyfriend and girlfriend or fiance, whatever it is, and they're keeping them around, it's because they're keeping the door open just in case you two don't work out. And, and you may be doing that as well without realizing, but then you're not fully giving the relationship a try. If you are always halfway out and you have other options lined up just in case, which a lot of people do that nowadays with dating. And I think it's just such a, you're wasting everyone's time when you do that. And I always did that when I didn't feel secure in the relationship I was in. When I met my husband, I was like, I don't need to date anybody else. I know he's not going to screw me over. We're going to see how this goes. I don't know if we're going to get married, but I trust him. And that's at the core of the issue is that if you feel like you need to keep other people around, it's probably because you don't trust them not to hurt you. And it feels like an insurance policy. Yeah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax. 
the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Do you have any tips on how you finally made the decision to stop chasing all of the wrong partners or needing validation and then you chose someone who actually wanted you back and treated you well versus having to beg someone to treat you well? A huge part of it for me was finally realizing that I deserved what I wanted. So I dated from a very insecure place in my 20s because of the way I grew up. I'm the daughter of Chinese immigrants. We didn't grow up with a lot of money. We grew up in in a pretty affluent suburban area, but we grew up as like the poor people in that affluent suburban area, which is a similar story to a lot of immigrants, right? The parents put you in a nice neighborhood because they want you to go to a good public school and you're like the poor kid that like doesn't have a house. Yeah. And so I think I had a hard time making friends in elementary school and middle school. And I always just felt like life was really difficult. Like I had to struggle to get what I wanted as a kid. And I think even though when you reach adulthood, when I got to college, I was like, I feel good about myself. You know, I finally fit in and I went to NYU. So that's obviously a really diverse place. You don't lose that childhood trauma for lack of a better term. You just sort of bring it with you. And if you don't address it, it ends up following you to all these different other relationships that have nothing to do with the fact that I had a hard time making friends when I was in school. A lot of people have unresolved issues around their own parents' relationships. I didn't. Mine was all around the fact that I never felt like I belonged growing up. And I was always fighting for a place. And so it's like when I got to be a certain age, like I knew conceptually in my early 20s, it was like, I have a lot to offer somebody. I'm not that weird loser girl on the playground that nobody wants to sit with at lunch anymore. But you still feel like that. So I always was looking for the guy that wouldn't leave me because I was like, you know what? It's better to date somebody that I don't really like, but I know loves me so much more than I love him because it'll be better. And I, in the end, always messed it up because I'm like, I don't want to be with you, but I know you'll never leave me. And then you kind of then swing the opposite way and you date the total like playboy and you're like, oh, you know, this guy's fun and he's great. And like, but he's also never going to commit to you. And so for me, it was like about finding a balance between like, you know, your needs versus your wants need to align. Well, I would say that it feels that as someone who can relate to you, maybe my projection is completely incorrect. So correct me if I'm wrong, but as someone who grew up similar to your situation, just I'm not Chinese, as you can tell, I'm a Russian immigrant, (laughs) Russian Israeli, (laughs) Russian Jewish immigrant. But uh, I think with that, it was an accidental, we forget that what men look for in women is different from what we look for in men, like, which is the security and all those things. So when I finally started making my own money, it felt almost like I started to chase men who came from rich families or things like that, where I wanted to prove, look, I finally have enough money. I I can finally be good enough for you. And I was, that's why I was chasing the wrong people aside from daddy issues was because I wanted to show like, we're finally on the same level when in reality, they never gave a shit before, you know? Exactly. And like, you know what? You're, I mean, depending on who you were chasing and trying to prove it to, it's like you earned it, right? So there's like a certain level of just pride. I think you should take in that versus somebody who was given it. 
And this yeah. is something that I used to think about all the time. It's like, I agree. I totally relate. It's like, look, I'm on the same level as you. I deserve to be in the same rooms as you. This is in business and in life. And it's like, no, honey, you deserve more. <laughs> yeah. So then let's get back into you finishing the question. So then how basically did you finally say, okay, enough, I'm done chasing these guys and I'm done chasing these guys. This is what I deserve. And that's what I'm going to pursue. Like what kind of clicked in your brain? It all stemmed from a really bad breakup that I had that was it even a breakup? Sure. It was a situation shit that lasted all of six weeks. It was one of my shortest relationships, but it was super intense. He loved bomb me and really made me think that it was going somewhere and then ghosted me on Valentine's Day until like <laughs> really late until basically it was like 1159 PM. And he was like, Oh my God, such a crazy day. Like, how are you? And I was like, that's convenient. You text me all day, every day, every freaking hour for six weeks. And on Valentine's Day, you were so busy. Because he was with his uh, wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I I left that relationship because he basically said, hey, I'm not ready to commit to you, but I'm willing to date you non-exclusively for as long as essentially you're willing to. And all the warm and fuzzy feelings just left me. And it was at that point that I was, I'm so glad that that happened because it was such a turning point for me where I was like, I'm better than this. And even though I really cared about this guy and I felt really cared for by him, it is not what I was expecting. And I left and really sunk into a very deep depression and went to therapy and really was like, you know what, I'm going to take the next couple months and be the best version of myself. And you touched on this when we talked about the shadow work. Years. Yes, shadow work. And also, I think one of the things I say all the time is women need to have their own like financial security. I went out and I was a real estate agent in New York at the time. And I went out and I just worked my ass off for the next four months because I was like so sad, but I was like making money. The concept of it and what it symbolized made me feel better. So every deal I did just made me heal a little bit. And by the end of the summer, I was like, fuck this guy. And I met another guy and I dated him and he didn't end up being my husband either. But it was like the most empowering thing to realize that the things that I thought that I had to rely on men to give me, I could give myself. And so then it wasn't about finding somebody to take care of me. It was about finding a partner so that we could take care of each other. That's sweet. Yeah. You've talked about basically how you needed to be dumped by the man you love to become the woman you deserved. What did you mean by that? Because I think it's when we always rely on other people for external validation, we don't, it's like a muscle, right? Loving yourself is a muscle that you have to practice. And especially in a world where women are taught every day that we shouldn't love themselves and we're, we should change this or that. And like, I feel like every like five years, there's a different body type. That's the ideal. It's actually an active practice to love yourself exactly the way you are women more so than men, because they think women are, or men are allowed to be many different things. They're allowed to be fat. They're allowed to be this, that, what all these things that women are kind of taught. We're not allowed to be bigger than this size or, you know, for flat or this, because yeah. men have multitudes. And so I think when I got dumped multiple times by many men who I thought were going to be my husband in my twenties, Every time it was like, well, I don't have anybody other than my parents and my friends, which is a different kind of love, right? Than me to make myself feel better. So what am I, what good can come of this terrible situation? 
And it's just figuring out how to love yourself, whether it's through therapy, whether it's through really excelling at your career, whether it's picking up a hobby that you like to do, make yourself better. Yeah, I like that. And I think what's been helping me just in general with anxiety about anything is what I've been learning is that a, well, the shadow work really just helps you. Cause then you stop blaming other people for, but he made me feel so love, blah, blah, blah. And you start to think, but why did I react this way? Or why did, do I need to feel loved by this person so much? Like, why did I buy his lies so easily? And then you go in and really go in deep in that. But I've also learned with through anxiety is that sometimes you get dumped or it doesn't work out with someone and you already have so many expectations of what it could be. And then you just think this is the worst thing to ever happen to me. But then if you go back to down to earth, whether you're at a social event and you get anxiety and you start touching research shows, if you start touching your surroundings, then it can calm you down. Cause you're like, okay, I am next to a door and there's food here and there's, well, don't touch everyone's food, but there's a, <laughs> there's a desk here. There's this. So, and then you come back to earth. It's the same thing. You think, this is the worst thing that can happen to me. Okay, wait, let's think logically. We break up. Yes, I will be sad for a while, maybe two weeks, maybe a month. Maybe it'll take me a little longer, three months, but I will get out of it. I will be fine. I will then meet someone. Maybe this person will be better for me. Okay, so I will meet someone again. I will love again. <sighs> okay, uh, maybe I'll be depressed for a little bit, but I've been depressed before. Okay, that means I will come out of it again because this is not the first time my heart got broken. <sighs> okay. So when you start thinking things logically, it does help you realize, oh, it's not the end of the world. Everything's going to be okay. And I think that's been helping me with just in general, figuring out how to be the person I deserve. Because when you're looking for partners, you can't expect your partners to be perfect or so great if you're not matching that type of energy. So if you want someone who's patient or understanding or this and that, then you need to be able to show up with similar traits as well. So if you want them to work on yourself, you probably should be doing the work as well, right? A hundred percent. And I think kind of what it comes down to is also just realizing that one of my favorite, I did not say this. And so I need, I don't know who said it, but this is one of my favorite quotes I heard when I was like in the depths of my despair after this guy left me on Valentine's Day was let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. And that is so true. As somebody who I struggle with mental health, I struggle with generalized anxiety disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder, not in the cute, oh, you know, I can't stop washing my hands way. Like I, you know, those are things that, and when you're in the middle of a mental health episode, you just feel like this is it. Nothing will ever feel good again. This is it. Life is just like this. And I think that's what breakups do. I'm sure there's a science behind it. Maybe you know it. I know to an extent it's like breaking up with somebody or getting heartbroken is almost like it's a lack of dopamine or something in your brain. It literally mimics like withdrawal from a, of a heroin. drug. Heroin. Yes. There, of heroin. There you <laughs> so not that I've ever done heroin or withdrawn from it, but I can only imagine like what that process is like if you're super addicted. Love is the drug, right? Yeah. And so I think when you realize that, okay, this will end, I don't know when it will end and you can just get yourself to the next step. For me, it was as simple as I don't want to do anything besides sit in bed and cry, but you know what? I'm just going to get up, turn on the lights and go shower. That's all I have to do. And then after I shower, I'm like, I'm going to go put on some makeup. All right, put on my makeup. I'm going to go out, chase down a lead in real estate and just meet this person. And I often think that 
the best way to get out of your own head or to heal. Yes, you need to take time, be by yourself, process it, but also just get out into the world, talk to people, get out of your head because it was those moments where I would spend an hour and a half with a client out. You have to be so zoned in because you're at work or you know when you're with your friends, you're just no longer kind of in this echo chamber. That's your head. Yeah. And it really helps you realize, hey, there is life outside of this dark hole in my head right now. Yeah, I like that. And the and let's say, for example, you went and you showered and you said, never mind, I can't do it. And I have to go back to bed. That's also fine. And that's why I believe in needing to celebrate your little moments, because sometimes we think we should only celebrate the big moments in our lives. And we don't realize how no one else knows what it took for us to get to that point. So even if you're depressed in bed for let's say a whole week and you finally, finally get up and you showered, that is a really big deal. And for yourself, you should celebrate it. You don't need to share with other people, but that's a big deal because tomorrow you may shower and get breakfast for yourself too. Wow. That's a big, bigger deal. And that's how then you're able to logically think like, I'm so depressed. Wait, but did I smile today? Oh my God. Yeah. I laughed at a joke. I finally laughed. Oh my God, there's hope. And you know, when you have hope, then you should be fine eventually. Piggybacking off of that thought is if you shower and you just decide you can't continue on, all I can do is shower today and you go back to bed, at least you showered. You're clean now. You know, it is something to celebrate. And like you said, you'll try again tomorrow. And like all we can do, one of the best pieces of advice my dad ever gave me was all you can do is try you know, don't be afraid of the outcome. Just keep going. Something will work out. Someone will work out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we're always so scared to try in case we fail, but then we just don't even do it at all. And I I agree. At least try. Well, let's talk about leaving the man you love for the man you deserve. Uh, This is so, and I think women do this so much. It's like, you can love somebody and fully know that they're not right for you you know, and I was terrible at this admittedly in my twenties. And I think I got very lucky because a lot of the men that I loved ended up leaving me and saved me from marrying the wrong guy. Not all of us are as lucky, you know, sometimes two wrong people love each other. And that's when you get those really explosive relationships and those codependent relationships where, you're both not right for each other, but you both just can't let go because obviously there's something good about the relationship. But it's like that video in particular was a guy that I dated that I just was really in love with. He just sort of, you know, as cheesy as it sounds like unlocked a part of me that I think it was also the time in my life that I met him. I was really happy with my personal life, my career. And I think that added to the fact that I was like, oh, I'm ready now to really meet a quality guy. I thought it was him and it wasn't. And I thought I could ignore all the red flags. And the biggest red flag was that that guy was quite controlling. And he didn't like that I had an opinion about some of his unhealthy habits. And so I would voice them, you know, and it's not like I'm like, hey, you can't have a drink. You know, it's sort of like he did this thing where he did dip, which is like a form of chewing tobacco. I didn't even know what it is until I met him. And it's so bad for you. And it causes oral cancer. It's not like it can, it's just so bad for you. 
And I remember thinking, I was like, what am I going to do? Marry this guy. And, you know, he's 50. I have two kids and he's going to die of oral cancer because he couldn't kick this habit. And it's not so much like I believe that everybody who is struggling to overcome addiction or mental health or whatever, like, it's not like you shouldn't be with those people. But the important distinction is whether they want to get better, whether they want to kick these bad habits. And he didn't. And I remember it all came to a head one night because I told him, I was like, it got to the point where I was like, all right, you know what? I can't control you if you did but I don't want to see it. Right. Cause it just makes me sad. And he did it in front of me and a bunch of friends. Cause we were out drinking and he was like, and I said to him, when we got back home, I was like, it really, I can't believe you would do this. You know, this is the one thing, you know, I let you do everything else. You know, he had a lot of other unhealthy habits too, but I was like, I can't believe you would do that. And he was like, you just got to let me do whatever the fuck I want to do. Like, I'm an adult. Like, you don't control me. And he broke up with me a couple days after that. And I like to say that that man broke up with me because I had an opinion. And the thing is, whether I hope he's changed, I hope he's realized that I hope he's done doing all of that. No, I don't hope that. (laughs) I I hope he's happy somewhere else with somebody else. But I needed him to leave me so I could find my husband Because at the end of the day, I was never going to hide the fact that I'm opinionated, I'm loud, and I'm just not one of those women that's going to, under the guise of like you providing me security and companionship, let you do whatever the hell you want. I see relationships like that where the man controls everything and the man's allowed to smoke, drink, eat, you know, and then the woman's just there like letting him do anything. And I'm like, that's not healthy, you know? Well, that doesn't work for you. I'm sure for some people, maybe that's what they want. Who knows? I don't know. Old marriages, your parents' marriage, my parents' marriage. Yeah, I think, you know, generationally, there's obviously a huge difference too, but I think uh, everybody should feel a freedom in their relationship, whatever that means to you. And maybe some women don't care if their husbands have unhealthy habits. That was something that I cared about. And I also deserve to, you know, it's like leaving the man you love for the man you deserve is, yes, I loved him, but I also deserve to find somebody who respected me and who respected what I wanted, right? So I guess what you're saying, basically, leaving the man you love for the man you deserve is more if there are issues in the relationship. And it's not that if your partner may potentially be an alcoholic or chewing whatever their habits are that you don't like, it's if they're also willing to work on themselves. So you don't just leave a relationship right away just because your partner does something you don't like. It's more, does my partner want to work on themselves to better themselves? Because I'm also working on myself to better myself. So then we show up and we choose each other every day versus we fight about the same thing over and over and over again, and nothing's changing. So we may not be right for each other. Is that, would you say? A hundred percent. That is exactly what I mean. Again, no one's perfect. And I certainly have heard countless stories, you know, with the whole substance and addiction issue where people have come have gotten clean or anything like that. So it's not about that. And even on a um, another scale, it's like, I think this is much more of an issue in your 20s and your 30s, because at that point in your early 20s, you're still hanging out with all your college friends. You're hanging out with your big group of girlfriends. He's hanging out with his big group of guy friends. I hear so often it's like, oh, you know, he only wants to spend like one day a weekend with me, right? It's like, oh, you know, if I have Fridays, like, he doesn't want to hang out with me Saturdays because Saturdays are for the boys and then Sunday's football. So it's like, and then it's pitched to us as, oh, well, that's balanced, right? It's healthy. Like I should have my own friendships and relationships. I shouldn't want to be spending all my time with my girlfriend. 
And it's not that I'm advocating that you guys spend every waking moment together and never see anybody else. It's that at the end of the day, the reality is if your goal is to end up in a monogamous relationship and a marriage, you're Saturday night, boys nights, they're just not going to happen every week. What are you going to do? Get married, have kids, all the shit that comes with a marriage and a life together. And every Saturday, be like, yeah, I'm not going to see you. That's for the boys, right? And I think that's like a thing that I struggled with a lot in my 20s. And I think what maybe a lot of people in their 20s struggle with is that you feel ashamed for asking to be prioritized Mm -hmm. when the reality is like if you're a woman and you're with the right guy and he's prioritizing you, he's going to want to spend the whole weekend with you. Yeah. And of course, it's like for my husband and I, when we met, it was like, I wanted to spend Friday and Saturdays with him. And yes, I had girlfriends in the city, had guy friends in the city, but then we would go out together. So it's like we get to see all of our friends together. And like, yeah, is it a little obnoxious maybe to your single friends that you're always operating as the pair? Sure. But, you know, you see your girlfriends during the weekday for dinner or like, you know, I still went on trips with my girlfriends without him. And so you find a balance. But at the end of the day, I believe, and not everybody believes this, but for me, what works for me is that you should be best friends with your husband and your boyfriend. Hopefully they're not two separate people. (laughs) And, um, you know, that's what really lasts in the end. You should be your best friend. You should feel like you have the most fun with him and vice versa. Yeah, I agree. So let's talk about why do you think some of the reasons are as to why some of us women are still single? If I had the answer to that question, I'd be so rich. (laughs) I think a lot of it has to do with why are some men still single? I think finding a fit is so important. And I think when you really, you know, being single is not the enemy. I think a lot of people are like, I'm single. Like that's kind of, we, we think of being single as like such a terrible thing when it's like, no, the worst thing that could possibly happen to anybody is marrying the wrong guy and getting divorced from him after you've dragged kids into the equation, after you've mixed finances. I mean, think about how high the divorce rate is. So it's not about being single. It's about choosing carefully and waiting longer so that when you're single, you're very, very free. You're unattached. You make your own financial decisions. You decide where you want to live, all of these things. You know, you only have your family to deal with. You know, there's just one equation to contend with. And I think there's no good answer as to why you're single. You know, I can look at you from a third party perspective and be like, this girl shouldn't be single. I'm like, you're beautiful. You've got your shit together and everything. But, you know, maybe you haven't done enough shadow work, right? For me, it was not coincidental that I met my husband after I'd gone to enough therapy and finally learned to love myself and not in the bravado kind of way that a lot of women are like, I love myself. I'm too good for everybody. It's that's almost like a defense mechanism, right? It's like, I really love myself. And if somebody doesn't love me, that's okay. That doesn't mean they're a piece of shit. Like you don't need to demonize every ex you've been with. It just means that they weren't right for me. And you just keep going. I dated an extraordinarily large amount of men in New York City because it is to an extent a numbers game. You've got to find the right person. And the right person will make you feel less crazy. I always felt like I was a crazy one in the relationship. I was like, I'm so messed up. You know, I have so much to work on. And I finally got to a point where I met my husband and I was just like, yeah, I'm crazy. But like, we're all freaking crazy and it's not that big of a deal. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Right. So it's when your partner wants to help you work through your stuff or communicate with you when you are feeling whatever emotions you're feeling and you feel comfortable enough to open up to him when you feel insecure and so on. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think you were mentioning this earlier about like, oh, if I want a guy who's patient, I also have to be patient myself. I firmly believe that we can all be better versions of ourselves, but I also believe that we have a core personality and that is who we are. I am not patient. I can work on that as much as I want. I'm still not going to be patient. I've gotten better at practicing patience, you know, but like, am I a patient person? No, I have a temper. Can I get better at controlling my temper? Yes. But at the end of the day, I am like the spicy, fiery one in the relationship. And what I needed was a guy that like, didn't take me seriously. Like I get mad sometimes. And like some of my exes would escalate it because they'd match my energy. And then it would just blow up. Like this stupid argument over nothing would blow up into a catastrophe. And the reason why my husband, Dave and I work so well is that He's just like, you're being ridiculous, like going to chocolate bar or something. And he de-escalates it. And that's, see, like, I don't offend him when I'm angry. And therefore, he's not adding fuel to the fire. You know, when I'm feeling like impatient or anxious about something, he's more even keeled. And vice versa, we're, we're the same, you know, when he's feeling anxious about something and I can take a step away, I can be like, let me handle this for now. You know, let me handle this aspect of our house, our marriage, whatever. So it's not about everything being 50-50 all the time. Like we're the same. I'm just as patient as you. You're just as patient as me. It's just like, you know, marriage is a partnership. You pick up where the other one needs help. No, I I agree. I agree. I think that my patient part was a bad example since I'm not patient and I would need someone who is patient. But I think it it was more if you want the best partner who's working on themselves, then it's you have to work on yourself too. But like everything you're saying, I mean, everything you're saying is kind of making me feel suddenly more appreciative of the person in my life. I'm like, oh, okay, wow. They are such a sweet person. <laughs> Interesting. Cool. So what would you say, what are some things that you wish someone told you when you were dating in your twenties? I wish people would have told me that basically, and I, I had to, I unfortunately like learned this the hard way is that like what you feel like is the end of the world. Every breakup is actually just the beginning of another chapter in your life. And like, I spent so much time beating myself up for every breakup, right? It was like, I always, you know, regardless of whether or not I talked to my girlfriends and I was like, oh, it was his fault. He's such a douchebag. I think I internalized a lot of these breakups as my own deficiencies. And what you don't realize is some of us get lucky and meet our husbands in college or they're married, they're high school sweethearts. But a lot of us just have to go through the ringer to meet a guy. And just because a relationship didn't work out, it doesn't mean your 
flawed. It just means the relationship was flawed and it wasn't a match. It should be easy. I, I keep going back to this phrase. It's like the right person should be easy. And it's like, yes, there's always ways for us to improve ourselves. It's not like you should leave every relationship and think I was perfect. You know, I didn't do anything wrong. But also I think women have a habit of saying like, what was wrong with me? Like, why yeah. did he leave me? It's like, he might have left you because he's a moron, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. People do stupid shit all the time. And sometimes we need all these answers. But in reality, who knows? Because you can't go into someone's head. Like, you have no idea why someone does what they do. But you do know that you have a choice. Because a lot of times we think, uh, I'll just have to keep calling him, blah, blah, blah. Like, he doesn't want me. But no, you have a choice. You can stop. You can stop obsessing over him. You can stop chasing him. You can stop. And you can find someone else. And uh, yeah. I agree with that. I agree with everything you're saying. It's really good. It's, it's really not about chasing and fighting for somebody to see your worth because that's not the right person. Like the right person will see how valuable you are and what you have to offer. And I had a really, you know, I had a very unconventional like 20s. I, I pursued a very unconventional path in my career. And for a really long time, that was a huge chip on my shoulder. I thought, oh, you know, I don't have like a steady like paycheck job. I'm pursuing a career in the arts. Like, you know, I was real estate agent, but that was like part-time. It was just like a weird thing. And I always thought like, I'm not valuable because, you know, I don't have a 401k and I don't have like, you know, employee sponsored healthcare. And you realize my husband has been the biggest champion of me pursuing social media. And he was the one who back in 2020, when I first started my blog, was like, you should do this, you know? And I would get so frustrated because like you, I'm impatient, you know, six months in, it was going nowhere. I was like, I just suck at this. He's like, look, good things take time. And then like a year and a half in, nothing was happening. He was like, just keep going. You know, I think you're so talented. I think you can do Aww. something in this. And like, you know, he believed in me more than I believed in myself at times. And I just needed a guy like that. You know, there's not a lot of men that are willing to kind of take on that risk of dating somebody with such a weird path. You know, I think you've been at this for a lot longer than I have. And you've more importantly been a lot more successful than I have for a oh, much longer span. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, it's like, it's not, it's so it's like for someone who really failed at almost everything I wanted to do truly in my twenties and, you know, making it in my thirties, it feels like a huge part of that was because I was finally with the right guy where I didn't have to spend all my time and energy thinking about how to make the relationship work. I could finally focus on my career and what I wanted to do. And apparently what I wanted to do was make TikToks about my exes. So, Oh, I love yeah. that. I love that. When you finally found the right partner, at least it was one area in your life that was just fine. So you can focus on a different area in your life. Because before you were so, you know, dating all the wrong guys, you're stressed about, about that, then you're stressed about your work. And now finally, you could just focus on your work because you had a supportive partner. And that is really important to have a supportive partner. I love that. And I think, you know, it's not a coincidence too. It's like, I don't know about your current relationship, but it's like, it seems like you're, it allows you to do a lot of shadow work, as you say, and like, you're going to therapy, I think, and working things out. Like you need space in your, there's like a finite amount of time and space and energy we have in our lives. And for me, a lot of the times dating the wrong guy was a distraction because I'm like, if he's more messed up than me, then I feel like it's not me. I'm not the problem. Like if the guy I'm dating is like addicted to like alcohol and drugs and whatever, and I'm constantly trying to fix him, then I have no time left to fix myself. And also by comparison, I'm so much less fucked up than this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But then I get, I mean, as long as both people understand that they're not perfect and they have issues they need to work on. It's not, I, I wouldn't say it's healthy. If if I was dating someone and he were just always trying to help me work on myself, that would irritate me because it'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I, when did you wake up and realize you were God? Are you perfect? <laughs> did I miss something? So I think as long as both partners can be okay with each other's flaws, as long as it's not too much of a deal breaker. Let's talk about why the man you're dating suddenly changed. He didn't change. He just finally stopped pretending. I always believe that. It's like, you know, right around three, six months, that kind of range. It's really hard to keep up a facade and we can do it for a few months. And a lot of men will do it just to get in your pants. Sometimes they act like the guy you want to, but it's, it's really, really hard to keep up a facade. And so at some point people get comfortable and they let their guard down and they show you who you truly are. I had a guy who broke up with me after about nine months and we were fully boyfriend, girlfriend, but I did the thing where I was like, I'm not going to hook up with you unless we're boyfriend and girlfriend. And he didn't really want that. He Mm -hmm. wanted, I think, to play the field, but he also wanted to sleep with me, I think. So we ended up dating for about nine months and he realized, you know, he changed because he finally admitted to himself, like, I don't want to be in a relationship right now. He's just broken off an engagement. And, you know, people are always like, well, like your rule didn't work. You know, it's like, oh, well, you withheld. And it's like, no, but at least I had a full relationship. At least we tried. And it was a definitive beginning, middle and end. Rather than I have girlfriends who were in situationships for years like literal three to five years where they're just getting strung along by a guy that is neither here nor there. I'm not saying like you withholding. That's silly when people think that's why you're withholding sex so you can get to know the other person. You're not withholding sex in order for them to decide they want a relationship with you. I think people sometimes get mixed up with that advice. You're withholding sex so you can get on an emotional level and you can figure out if it's the right partner for you before you put out for and waste and not just waste the number before you put out and then for what and i would rather and someone was like oh your rule didn't work no it worked because you got to know each other and thank god you didn't say with someone that within nine months realized he didn't want something with you because imagine three years nine years for that person and now he leaves you that'll be even worse so it actually did work and it worked because then you didn't have to stay in a effing situationship for three years where you guys are getting to know each other kind of you don't know what's going on and then you would have wasted longer so it actually did work because you are meant to keep breaking up until you find your person that's actually how it works how dating works you're going to keep breaking up a thousand percent. I don't even have anything to add to that because that is exactly how I felt. I was like, we learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself in that relationship. And it's like, this is how we move on, you know, but it's like people show their true colors at the end of the day. And girlfriend, you better find out before you marry him who he really is. And when he shows you who he is, believe him. I was not the first person to say that, but I will definitely not be the last So many of us ignore what we don't want to see, men and women. And guess what? When you're saddled with two kids and dead in a relationship, all those things you didn't want to see really force you to just kind of question your life decisions. I agree. So let's talk about why you should not accept his apology. So this is based off of a video in a very specific situation I had where I had a college boyfriend who broke up with me effectively because I wasn't Jewish. I didn't know that at the time he was struggling with how Jewish he wanted to be, which look, when we're 21, that's totally fair, right? 
that's not at all. Like, I'm not like, oh my God, he screwed me over because obviously he knew I wasn't Jewish. I'm not saying that there are no Asian Jews, but like, I very much am not Jewish. Like, and he knew that going in. It's not like, I'm like, I'm Jewish jokes, but he really left me in a way where he was like, he just said, I remember the reason I can't be with you is because I can't do the things I want to do when I'm with you, which was really vague. And, you know, I had no idea at the time that he was referring to his Judaism, like how Jewish, and I don't know the levels. I know there's different. He wanted to, I think, really just be with a woman who was born Jewish, which again, is totally fair. And is a process of self-discovery in your early twenties. Yeah. And I remember at the time, because it was college, we had all the same friends. And so we would see each other like bars and parties and he would just ignore me. He wouldn't even like say hi to me. He wouldn't even make eye contact with me. He would just pretend like I wasn't in the room. And it was really hurtful, especially because A, obviously I was still kind of in love with this guy and B, it just felt disrespectful. It's like, dude, you can't even just say hi. And so I remember texting him a couple months after we broke up and just being like, Hey, I hope you're doing well. Like, I'm okay. Like, I just wanted to see if we could like meet for coffee, bury the hatchet because we're going to keep seeing each other. And I would prefer not to like do this weird thing where we avoid each other. And I, for me, it was like, I kind of wanted some closure, you know, and just being like, stop acting like you dumped me. And now you act like I'm the plague, you know? And it was, he just said to me, Hey, I hope you're doing well. I don't think that's necessary. And it was just so cold. And I was just like, fine, that's his prerogative. That's he's entitled to not want to talk to me. It's not like he owes me anything. I do believe that all was fair in love and war. But then six years after the fact, six years later, he didn't even text me directly because like, girl, I've had the same phone number since I was like 13, right? So it's like, he could have easily reached out to me directly. This fucking pussy, excuse my language or not actually, calls my friend, my best friend, who she, you know, is sort of in touch with him because they were all in the same class or whatever at NYU. And he asks her if she can ask me whether he can talk to me and apologize for how he handled the breakup six years ago. And she was like, you know, this is like one of my best girlfriends. She was like, lol, I have to tell you this. And I told her, I was like, you can go tell him to go fuck himself. Like literally I'm over it. And like, oh, all of a sudden, I don't know what he was doing. I've after posting the video, there were a couple people who were saying that maybe you're Jewish, right? Yeah. Is there a tradition in like Judaism where like you have to go back and like write your wrongs no. with people? That's, no? that's okay. when you become sober. That's not, has to, doesn't have to do with Jewish stuff. That's Somebody when you, you're alcoholic okay. in your 12 steps. Yeah, so yeah, I was saying that isn't Jewish. I'll tell you okay. why he did that. I'll okay. tell you why he did that. And it has nothing to do. A, the reason he didn't want closure with you was because normal like a lot of times we break up someone dumps us and then when we're around them they get so irritated or agitated and we think why are you mad at me you're the one that broke my heart it doesn't make sense and it's because every time that person looks at you they have to be reminded of what they did to you they have to be reminded they hurt you and that and they don't like the person you're reflecting towards them so every time I look at you I remember that I'm the bad guy and that doesn't make me feel good I want someone that makes me feel good when I look at them because you fall in love with people based on how they make you feel so when I look at you I remember that was a piece of shit to you and that doesn't make me feel good so I'm going to be mean to you back because it's going to make me feel better that's why he was an asshole didn't want to see you secondly the reason he reached out six years later it means that he was dating someone who dumped him or something like that. And he was feeling this happened to me in the past with people that I've dated. And I've done this before with my friends too. 
but the reason that person out of nowhere reaches out to you is because something bad just happened in their life and they feel like such a piece of shit and they need validation that they're not. So they start to reach out to every person they ever hurt, making a random apology and all this stuff, hoping that someone will accept their apology. So they feel a little bit less of a piece of shit. So you actually did the best thing you can do, which was like, <laughs> no, thank you. Continue. I'm not here to help you feel better about yourself after what you did to me. Bye. So that's why it's great that you didn't accept his apology, but it's not because he's Jewish. It's because he's just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that too. You know, it's like, obviously I knew whatever reasoning he had in his head was just like a weird way to validation. justify reach, validation, like reaching out six years after the fact. But that's why I'm like, don't, I didn't have to accept his apology in order to move on. Like this whole idea of like, Oh, forgive and forget. No, like, I don't need to forgive you. I'm just going to move on. You did something. I have hurt people in the past. I never have ever, you know, I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of, but the one thing I am proud of is not going back to the men I've hurt and asking them to make me feel better about the fact that I hurt them. I was a shitty person to a lot of men and they deserve better than me. And they found better than me, you know, for them. And that's just life, you know? Yeah. And six years is insane amount of time to just swim and be like, Hey, by the way, um, do I owe you an apology? Can we, uh, and he's such a pussy. Like he knew you had the same number. You contacted your friend. That's pathetic. Thank God you didn't end up with that guy. Do you want a man that can't even speak up? I, I don't, you seem like a oh. pretty powerful woman. So I just can't imagine you with a guy like that. He's the I, type I of mean- guy that you have to ask Wait, he doesn't like what he's eating. And he has to ask you, can you tell the waitress? Can you tell the waitress, I don't like this food. I need something else. Can you tell her that's, he's that type of guy. I, you know, I, I don't even know what type of guy he is anymore. It's been so freaking long at this point, but it's just insane. Like, it's so embarrassing to me that like, it was almost like six years after the fact, I was like, I'm embarrassed for you, buddy. Cause like, we've all moved on and I am so glad on so many levels. I am not with him. Yeah. Uh, because you know, we still have, we went to college together. So we still are somewhat connected through like our NYU network. And I see him and I'm like, gag, great. Mm -hmm. Life is so much better without you. You know? Yeah. I mean, if you, when you really think about it, in the end of the day, Every guy that's ever dumped you or hurt you in your life got you to exactly the point where you are, where you found your perfect match. And I don't think you would have been able to see how wonderful your current husband is if you didn't go through all those heartbreaks that you have to go through to figure out what you're looking for, to figure out how someone can properly treat you, to figure out what you have right in front of you. A hundred percent. And I also think that I could not be the right woman for my husband if I did not go through all of those very, very hard lessons, some people I think are very fully formed and mature from a young age. I was not, I had to learn everything the hard way. I was not going to learn other, any other way other than making my own mistakes, falling down, embarrassing myself and realizing that at the end of the day, you can always get back up. And I think, you know, so much of what stopped me from doing what I wanted in my 20s was feeling like I was going to embarrass myself. And it's like, I wish I would have done it more because it got me to where I wanted to be. And at the end of the day, no one cares. Everyone's too concerned with their own lives. Don't worry about other people's opinions because they're just opinions. It's all subjective do what you need to do. And they're projecting a lot of times when someone says, Oh my God, that's so embarrassing. What is she doing? First of all, that's because you're a cunt for even saying things like that. You're just being rude. But secondly, 
cool. So don't do that. That's why you're not me. So I'm going to keep doing this because guess what? The whole thing with, oh, cringe. Great. I'm doing cringe shit because that's how I got to where I am. So I'm going to keep doing cringe shit because I only have one life to live. And then that's how I'm going to get far. So you sit in your house, judge everyone else and say exactly the low level that you're at. Have fun with that. Amen. (laughs) I'm very passionate when I speak. If you can tell. I love it. Me too. Okay. So before we wrap up, is there anything that you wanted to add that you feel like I didn't ask you any other tips or advice? Like here's an example. What's the best advice that you ever gotten? Oh, okay. I'll leave you all with this. Don't be with anybody that makes you feel like you're difficult to love, period. Aww. You're not difficult to love. If somebody doesn't love you, that's not a reflection of how lovable you are. It's just a reflection of how you're not in the right relationship. What's the worst advice you've ever gotten? Oh, yes. I was like, oh, I know this. When I was 21, I was studying abroad in Shanghai and I hung out with a bunch of expats and we like, it's, it's Shanghai. It's like 2011. We're all partying and there was the guy who was in his mid twenties. And he said to me and my girlfriends at the time, he was like, you guys don't know this now, but when you graduate college in a year, you're going to only have three years to find a husband and to solidify your career because you're going to expire when you're 25. Like no man's going to want you. And if you're, you don't have your shit together at 25 in your career, like it's over. And I wish I could tell you that I didn't believe him, but a part of me at 21 was so impressionable that I did believe him. And I remember feeling like such a failure at 26 because I had like no career in anything I really wanted to do. I hadn't found my husband. And to anybody who feels like they're on a timeline that they're not controlling, it's all bullshit. You're on your own timeline. A hundred percent. I definitely agree with that. Where can people find you? You can find me on TikTok. My handle's at it's maybe both and Instagram is at maybe both and my blog, maybeboth.com. Right. Anything else? Last thing that you wanted to add that I may have not asked you? Literally love yourself, fuck the chads and get paid bitches. Okay. Well, I'm going to leave in the description, everything, all of her information. So you can find, uh, follow her on all the proper socials. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to follow the podcast if you don't for whatever reason. And I'll see you besties next week. Bye.